You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I answer a lot of questions for a mailbag edition of the podcast, plus I talk to Tailgate Ted to provide you some Father's Day gift ideas. You only got a few days, folks. If you want to buy your dad a smoker or a grill, if you want to forward this to one of your kids to do the same, just send us a thank you note if you do. My topics for the mailbag include receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden, the quarterback competition, of course, my favorite moment on the beat, Scott Turner, and more. You can follow Ted on Twitter at TailgateTed. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up, I believe, on Friday about the quarterback situation based on a conversation I had with Ron Rivera the other day. The podcast with Rivera will drop Sunday. As one little note for Father's Day, it's a meaningful day for me because while some say I have a dream job as an NFL reporter, I always felt being a dad was the dream job. My kids are older. Two of them out of the house. My third, my youngest is going to be a senior in high school next year. Two of the ones out of the house are in other cities. The best part about being a dad is watching them grow and develop as adults and pursuing their dreams and goals wherever it takes them. I don't have to spend my day with them on Father's Day to love what that day symbolizes for me. And I love that I still drive them nuts with groan-inducing dad jokes. They're not told to be funny. They're just told to get a rise out of them. They know me well. I will say one day, my youngest son was with me in the car a few years ago when we stopped because a chicken was crossing the road. Yes, we all know what that meant. Get a picture, put it on Twitter. You got the joke. I got my phone out because I knew I could tweet it out. My son, who was about 14 at the time, told me, you've been waiting your whole life for this moment, haven't you? Again, he knows me well. Anyway, on to the mailbag. Let's start with Tim Darby. Do you see them keeping three quarterbacks on the roster? Feels that Kyle Allen seems like the odd one out. Hi, Tim. Yes, I do see them keeping three. I think if they had one clear-cut dude at quarterback, then maybe you go with two and stash another on the practice squad like Steven Montez. However, I don't think they have that guy. And you also have to remember that the last two times Rivera went to a different quarterback, he went to Kyle Allen in 2019 when Cam Newton was hurt and last year when he benched Dwayne Haskins. He is not in that QB competition as of now. He had the ankle injury, and I think still think this – spring, he was dealing with some of the effects of that. But with questions about about both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke, there's no way you can just go in with those two, in my opinion. And then with Montez and the practice squad, a lot of questions about him too. It's not as if both those guys look dramatically better than Allen this spring. I don't think that was really, I don't think they feel that was the case, though Allen, again, was limited by that ankle injury. I also did the math. They can keep three quarterbacks, 10 O-linemen, three tight ends, seven receivers, and four running backs and be fine. Strict9 wants to know, 
how likely is it do you think that Gibson's three-down back is backup is currently on the roster? Peyton Barber lost some weight, but Ron Rivera doesn't think it will impact his ability his ability as a power back, and instead like the quickness he showed this spring. We'll see how that translates this translates this summer. I don't get too crazy over running backs in the spring. I did love how Antonio Gibson looked, just seemed more comfortable. But in general, you got to wait till you put the pads on to see what the impact is. I know going into the draft, they wanted to add another running back, and they did sign UDFA Jarrett Patterson. He, of course, would be more of a future third down back, and I say future, not an every down guy. Still curious about Lamar Miller. We haven't seen him in a game here to really know where he's really at. So if he doesn't look good this summer, then yeah, I can definitely see them looking to add another running back. And if they don't, if they feel that if there's another running back that comes available, keep in mind the key word this offseason has been competition. They want to add it wherever they can. So if there's someone that's out there that they like this summer, I don't think they'd hesitate to bring them in um, just because, again, they want more competition. But they've always liked Peyton Barber. So there you go. Hale.wft wants to know what's been your favorite moment while reporting for, he says, for this franchise, it's on this franchise. No big deal. Favorite moment? That's a tough one. I'm not sure one moment sticks out to that degree, in part because, to be honest, I've covered a lot of bad football. But not everything deals with the with the games itself. So a few that do jump out in games involve the big plays by Santana Moss in Dallas on Monday night. Clinton Portis's touchdown run in Joe Gibbs's first game, an electric moment. Sean Taylor's return versus Dallas um, that led to that last-second field goal in the win. RG3's run versus Minnesota and the title-clinching win over Dallas in 2012. And I'd say 2012 was my favorite season just because of the novelty of RG3 and watching how the offense developed and the seven-game win streak and watching how the how Griffin fooled defenses, how, the again, the offense evolved and how defenses tried to play them. It was a weekly session. It was a weekly session of learning, and I enjoyed that. Um, and you thought you were watching the start of a decade-long run. Oops. I think last season was fun with Alex Smith's situation, the strong finish, Ron Rivera beating the cancer. There were so it was just, it was, you know, especially after the previous year was so dreadful, it was a refreshing change. Some other moments that really stand out are more behind the scenes, including Gibbs's return in general. I just remember how they rolled out a literal red carpet for him at the practice facility, seeing him get out of the limo, walk in and thinking, my God, this is real. I love talking to him um, every Wednesday after practice, getting his insight for that week, but also then could ask him about Bill Parcells or other guys and hearing stories about them and insight into those games was a lot of fun. His presser and his initial presser was packed way more than any other, and you felt the aura around him and the seismic um, moment for the franchise, um, especially in Dan Snyder's uh, era. I remember Marty Schottenheimer's passion in his presser. That moment stood out too because you could just feel basically at the end of it, you wanted to run through a wall. Even I'm not going to, I'm just writing about him, but you felt like, wow, this guy can get guys pumped up. In a negative way, I'll also never shake getting a call early in the morning informing me of Sean Taylor's death and seeing every face full of grief at the facility. It was rattling. To be honest, there are so many other favorite moments because it's a job I like. And for the most part, people have been really good to deal with. I enjoy being in my office, talking on the phone to people about football. Sometimes it's just hanging in the locker room on a Friday, being with guys and getting to know them and reminding yourself that I'm getting paid to do this. Sometimes it's going to a Billy Joel concert at Madison Square Garden with JP and Pete and Mitch a couple of years ago or crossing the Golden Gate Bridge with my, my buddies, Paul Woody and Jim Ducebella back in the day when I was a young reporter and they weren't. 
things like that. So there's a lot that stands out. Um, and just, I think what really stands out is I enjoy my job. B. Painey wants to know, and this is from Instagram, really like the comment in the last pod from one of the other reporters about this being a year, big year for Scott Turner, wasn't on his radar, um, wants to know my thoughts on the OC. And first of all, that was Sam 48 from the Washington Post who provided that comment. I think we'll get a good feel for Scott Turner this year. Look at last season. They started four different quarterbacks, lacked enough legitimate skilled players. They added more skilled players. And even though there are questions at quarterback, I think they're in better shape. They have an excellent young back in Antonio Gibson, depth on the O-line. They should be much improved in offense. Like Sam, I saw glimpses from Turner as a play caller, and I liked how he tapped into the versatility of certain players. And you could see it when there was a veteran quarterback in there, you saw it more. At times, I felt they were kind of bland. Sometimes that's a reflection on who they had at quarterback. Sometimes I think that was on Turner going into the year. I know there were some people in the organization who had questions about what Turner could do. And I think some of those people, you, you seem to, sometimes it depends on when I talk to them, how they felt um, about him or what, what he was doing. But I will say, I think there were definitely some weeks they really liked it. I think this year will tell a lot about him. Whether how good they'll be as an offense, they should be much better. Whether they're, they're not going to view them as a top 10 offense, but they've got to be a lot better than last year. And some of that will, will center on Turner and his play calling. Lebreton James 23, which current understudy player could you see contributing meaning, meaningful snaps this season, kind of like Cam Curl last year? Good question. It has to be a low-round pick, either as a rookie or coming off a quiet season, to be that kind of type of player. I think Kaliki Hudson will play more of a role, potentially on defense. Um, I don't see him as a starter. I think he's too small for that, but he was working as a big nickel in coverage this spring. He's 5'11", about two, a little more than 200, has good speed. With Landon Collins out, I don't know if that role is going to continue, but he does have good speed for a linebacker, too small for a full-time role. But again, in this role – you could see him perhaps having a bigger um, impact uh, if, if, you know, if that's, but that's a guy, if you want a guy from this draft, it could be receiver Dax Milne. There's a big gap between he and Adam Humphreys, but if the latter got hurt, then maybe Milne could step in and show what he could do. They do like him to me right now. He's probably a practice squad guy that they need, that they will develop, but we'll, we'll that's going into camp. We'll see where it goes. Derek Forrest, Forrest is another that could fill that role at safety. I think he has a chance to help. James Smith Williams showed a thing or showed a couple things last year late um, along the defensive line as a guy who could play tackle or end. I know they are concerned about their depth at end, but he's a guy that I think that could help them in multiple spots. I don't, but again, I don't see anybody as a curl type, but it's hard to say that because the curl types don't always occur. So hard to say, but those are some guys to watch. URF captain. When players are asked about contracts, they usually just say, I'll leave it up to my agent. How much contact do player and agents usually have daily, weekly? No frame of reference other than Jerry Maguire. It really depends on the guy, both the player and the agent. Some agents talk to their clients often, but not just about contracts. More often it's checking in on them to make sure they're okay. I mean, these guys are dealing with a lot of stuff sometimes. Sometimes it could be personal stuff and they need guys to talk to. Sometimes it's about arranging workouts or some other service for their clients, a nutritionist, maybe a massage therapist. The best ones I deal with establish relationships with them and look out for their needs. The best agents give their guys advice about how to improve as a player in investing in their future. Not just telling them what they should do, but providing them the person to do it with, whether it's somebody to work out with in the offseason and say, this is what you need to do. If you want to last this long, you've got to be doing this. And that's what good ones do. But they also look for guys who will listen to what they're asking them to do. 
and they follow up with more than just advice to help. As far as contracts, the younger they are, they probably want more information more often. In most cases, the agent will handle it and is not going to provide daily updates. There's no value to that. And it only serves really to drive the client nuts. And guys quickly learn that you can't you can't get daily updates. It's Sometimes it's not even weekly. They don't want to always tell their guys about every offer because some might be so bad it would just insult them and tick them off. So why do that? I think usually when it's, when it's serious, that's when they'll let the players know. And the players like that. In Brandon Sheriff's case, I don't think he he's the one who said that. I don't think he really um, is going to be sitting there worrying about what this is going to do. The guy's going to make $18 million guaranteed anyway. There's no there's no pressure on him to get this to get it done right now. So I mean, in terms of like his life and all that, so he's not a guy who sweats the details of, of life. It seems so, you know. But in there, there you go. All right, Pedro Smith, better chance of making the roster, AGG or Kelvin Harmon? Big John nineteen oh six on Twitter also wondered about AGG. Antonio Gandy Golden, of course. Depends if they keep six or seven receivers, and I'm guessing seven right now. There are a few things at play here. AGG was their draft pick, though it was a different group running the draft. It was the same coaches. They inherited Harmon, but they do like Harmon's physical style. And I think he'll have to show that he can be more than just physical and, and separate from defenders. I also think they'd like to keep him around some way because if he doesn't make it as a receiver, I could see them seeing if he'd want to put on some weight and play tight end. Now, that would be down the road. That's not for 2021. Right now, the locks would be Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims. That's five, so there's room to keep both ADG and Harmon. Then it depends, it depends on what Milne shows, shows this summer, or whether it's one of the DeAndre Robertson. If does Steven Sims, does he change their opinion of him and make some plays to get in there? Isaiah Wright. So there are a few others in there, but they do want some size on the outside, and both ADG and Harmon have it. They could also, the, assuming the league maintains the same practice squad rules as last year, Washington could place them on the practice squad, one of them on there. But of course, that would be a risk. And I don't view either guy as anything other really than a back end receiver on the roster at this point. I think there's more to learn about AGG, about what his ceiling really is. He had one strong day in minicamp, but it really was a strong day in which he made some terrific plays down the field, made, I think, two or three plays. And I talked about it on the podcast after that day. Didn't see Harmon getting a lot of separation, but he did have another. Again, he had a day in practice where he too won downfield. Not going to be a strength, but it, you know, again, in the red zone a couple of years ago, he did a better job because of that physical style. So I think he adds value as well. They also saw glimpses of AGG on some screen passes and the way he ran the ball after catching them that I think intrigued them. So if I had to say which one had the better chance, I'd say AGG, but I think there's a chance that both will be on there. Um, Jared Herm, Gerard Horming, Horm, Hormiga, sorry if I pronounced that, butchered that one, but anyways, from Instagram. How do you see the quarterback competition playing out in training camp? How many so-called bad weeks do you think it would take from Fitz to see Heineke start in the Burgundy and Gold? And this is the last question. I have a hard time believing anyone other than Fitzpatrick will start. Rivera prizes the veteran savvy and considers this still a young offense, so it's worth even more to him. But I don't think Fitzpatrick's play this spring suggests he should be the absolute lockdown guy for 17 games. I think it suggests that you need to see more and he needs to go out and still prove that he should be the guy. They were pleased for the most part with Heineke. I don't think the gap is so wide that Heineke couldn't close it this summer, but it would require Fitzpatrick to play poorly. I also don't think that um, excuse me, Heineke's background suggests he should surpass Fitzpatrick should, should surpass Fitzpatrick 
without throwing a knockout punch or two this summer. However, if they start slowly, then yeah, I could see a change shortly into the season. Last year with Haskins should serve as a guide, but some of that too was based on what they weren't seeing, a quarterback who was taking every day seriously enough. When Rivera was done, he made a move. As someone outside the organization reminded me the other day, Rivera is good at having a pulse on the locker room. If he thinks Fitzpatrick isn't getting it done and Heineke is wanted by others, then he'll make the move or whoever it is. And a year earlier, he made a move to stick with Kyle Allen rather than bring back Cam Newton, who was dealing with some injuries. And there was some thought he could come back. They ended up putting him on IR because Allen, they liked what they were seeing from Allen. And they just wanted to make sure Revere, excuse me, that Newton healed up. I think Revere would make a move sooner rather than later, knowing he has other options who might provide a spark. And, and again, because I don't know that the gap is so wide, I will stress to everyone listening, though, that when I talk to others outside of Washington, they don't view Heineke as anything other than a backup who could provide a spark or two during the season. But that's also more than what people thought about this guy last year going into the season or going into December. Doesn't mean that's all he'll become. I'm just sharing you just sharing with you how he's viewed just for some perspective. I also think most view Washington as needing to find that guy after this season. I think you knew that though. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with tailgate Ted talking smokers and grills for father's day gift ideas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less, where an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total. You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc.? It's fun, and every Friday it's Home Run Derby, bet on three guys who had home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week you can participate in their eagle-eyed jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Tailgate Ted. All right, Ted. So I'm trying to help out all these people on here looking for a Father's Day gift. Father's Day coming up this on Sunday. And a smoker is a good gift. It is. Right? It is. Yes, it is. And I, I always tell people it's a game changer when you get it for somebody. Um, but I am curious. I want to pick your brain on the types of – let's go down the list of some smokers um, and just what the benefits are, who should who would be good for what. What kind of smoker and grill do you have? So I have two different ones. I actually have a smoker just standalone, 
vertical propane and I've got a grill that is actually propane charcoal and it has a rotisserie built in and a sear burner. So it just kind of all depends on what you're looking to do when you're out there and how much time you've got. Right. And I started off with a vertical smoker propane. And then, then I decided I really wanted to devote every minute of a nine hour session to smoking. So I got an offset smoker because you know, that, as you know, like that's, that's a lot more intensive and um, it tastes good. Tastes good, but it's intensive. So what do you like about, your smoker and for somebody like we'll go down with the vertical propane smoker. What are the benefits? I like how simple it is. I mean, I didn't want to go the electric route because with electric to me, it just, I feel like it's a little bit of cheating. And I also wanted to be able to get it a little bit hotter. And I don't feel like I could have done that with electric. I wasn't looking to cold smoke. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't go that electric route. I wanted propane because on top of, you know, easiness of where I have it. I don't want charcoal on top of a deck. So when you're looking to get something from someone, location is key with the type of burning mechanism you're going to use for, in my opinion. And that's true. And, you know, and that's why I think we start off for me with the propane the way we did it, partly because you also want to see what's the level of enjoyment with it. Where do you want to take it? And I think propane, I know electric would be a good introduction. I think propane is probably even better because it takes you up a little bit of a notch and and it it does like if you, you know, it's not as intensive right away. And so I think you can get something out of it and, you know, you you have to use wood chips. That's where you're going to get your smoky flavor from. Um, How many, like, how do you feel you do with the wood chips on that? I mean, you know, I always, in the end of my life of my propane smoker, I felt like I wasn't getting enough smoke on there. So I use chunks instead of chips. Even with the pro, even with the, okay. Even with the, that was one of the reasons why I picked the one that I went with just because I could use chunks because with the chips, you burn through them so fast. Not watching it. Next thing you know, you're losing some of that time to get that smoke inside there. But on top of it, after a while, the meat will only take so much smoke. Correct. And you only want so much smoke on there too, in some cases. Exactly. You don't want it to oversmoke it just because it can take it doesn't mean you want to take that right. protein to that extra step. I felt like it was a good balance for what I wanted to do because I live in DC. I've got a small townhouse down here, so I don't have a ton of room on my deck. So that's also why I went vertical in regards to space. Right. And my in our old house, we had a we had a deck and we had a covered, we had part of it was screened in porch. The other part was was not screen, and that's where I kept the vertical smoker. Same thing. It, it fit that well. I live out in the country now. I have the offset, and it's not a big offset, but it's enough of one, and I can store all my stuff right inside the garage with the smoker. So it, it's actually more convenient. What what other some of you know, are there? I, you, I'm sure you've ex- experienced all these other ones, like a pellet smoker. If somebody wants to buy a pellet smoker, what would you tell them? So to me, a lot of the pellet smokers, you don't have a ton of surface area with those. And they get a little bit pricey if you want more surface area. So think about what type of cuts you plan on cooking to start off and what you feel like you're going to graduate to down the road. And on that pellet smoker, is there going to be enough surface space for you to do it? Is 
the reason why I wanted something bigger is I want to have the flexibility to do different types of meat inside there at different times and then just have a wireless thermometer in each of them to know when to pull what protein that's inside there. And I feel with pellet, you don't have that capability if you want to cook for a large quantity of people. Yeah. And I haven't used a pellet smoker. I know, I think, I think Bram just got a pellet smoker. So I he, he I think, yes, he did. And I know he was, he did a lot of research for it. Um, and I know that he's been very pleased with what he's cooked so far. How about I have the offset? My, my take on that is, you know, and especially depends on if you, where the, the chimney is, if it's a reverse flow smoker or not, but you're still getting what I like with the way mine is built is you are getting smoke that's covering the meat. And that's what I've always liked about it. That's why I wanted, that's why I was um, intrigued by it. And so I've liked it. The hard part with the offset smoker is you do have to devote a lot of time to it. And you are, you are monitoring. If it's a nine hour job, I'm out there every 35, 40 minutes or so, making sure that that temperature is where it needs to be. So I have to set aside day. That doesn't bother me. Um, but if, it, if somebody doesn't have that time, it's not going to be the one for you. Agreed. The other thing, yeah. And what the other thing is too, with some of these offsets, you if you don't get one that's a really, at a certain level, you're going to have to like put gaskets around to make sure the smoke's not seeping out. That's what I found too. Do you have, have you had any experience with the offsets? So my brother-in-law has an offset and he used to be in the neighborhood and he also had a big green egg. And he went from the egg to the offset just to be able to get more of that smoke inside there. And it really is what you're saying. You know, you just have to be willing to dedicate that time. But I feel that you know what you're getting yourself into when you're looking for an offset and you yeah. have that space. And, you know, if those of you don't, you're listening to this to get some tips. And some of the things with the offset is you don't have a large margin of error that you do with an electric right. pellet or a propane. And it's not uncommon for people to start with something on the easier side to manage just to see right. how often they're going to smoke. And then they do like what you did and move to a different one. That's exactly what I did. I want to see where it's going to go. But what I'll also say, if you have the offset and let's say you're painting in your bedroom, don't say, I'll get down off the ladder in 15 minutes and check the meat. Get off the damn ladder now because it's going to, because you're, so I've learned that from experience. Sometimes like, oh, you get a call and like, oh no, this might be a long interview. I've got this out there. So, you know, but I will say like, I enjoy the process. So that's why I liked it. The big green egg. What's your experience with that? They're, that's they're, a more, I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but that's for anybody. Like, those are obviously more expensive. Like you can get an offset in that $500 range, pellet in that same range. Um, you know, the, the, um, the probe, the vertical one, you can get, you know, less than that. The big egg, big green egg is a thousand bucks. Yeah. They're, they're not cheap. If you want to get an XL, you're looking around a thousand dollars, but they're very, very versatile. I used to be a judge at a event in the DC area called Dizzy Fest and we'll go out there. And the one big thing with Dizzy Fest is everyone is using a big green egg to cook, but it's whatever you want it to cook. People were baking cinnamon rolls in there, making pizzas, doing briskets. I mean, if you want to smoke, you can smoke. If you want to grill high heat, you can do that. If you want to bake pizzas, you can do that. Where these vertical smokers, these pellet smokers, it's just meant for smoking. Correct. So 
if you want something with a little bit of versatility to it, an egg could potentially be that one-stop shop for you. And then they have a lot of different accessories you can throw on after the fact. Right. And I have, in addition to my offset, I have the just a regular old kettle grill because that gives me the ability to, I can, and I've used that as a smoker sometimes for certain things. I'll smoke chicken wings on there versus my smoker because I feel like it crisps up the wings better. I'll smoke, if I'm going to grill a pizza, it's going on the Weber, on the kettle, the Weber grill, not the smoker for the, I tried it on the smoker one time and it wasn't, it wasn't, it took longer and it wasn't as good. It's got to be on the grill. So I, you're right. Like that's that versatility. You know, I have two things to do that. Ron Rivera is big on positional versatility. He'd like the big green egg. Yeah, I'm sure he could definitely use that one versus <laughs> having a bunch of different, you only have so much room on that 53 man roster. So you make <laughs> sure, or you only have so much space on your deck. There you go. Um, so I think that that about covers, I'm thinking, like, I don't know what, I guess a, you can get like with a pit barrel build or a pit barrel smoker too. I haven't used that. That's not something I've actually delved into. Okay, in a me neither. Yeah. So somebody can, if you're, if you want that, do your research. We gave you what <laughs> we know. The, the last thing on this, um, Ted, what are some other accessories that you think would make, I mean, would make a good gift? Let's, I'll say this. If you want a thermometer, what would be a thermometer? Thermometer. I'm going to say that word again, thermometer. What would be a good thermometer for somebody to buy? You can't go wrong with an instant read wireless thermometer if you have the ability to connect it to a Wi-Fi or to connect it to Bluetooth. Because just like you said, you're you're on that ladder and you don't know what that temperature is. You can set those alerts up. I've got mine outside. I've got a Wi-Fi thermometer, four different probes in it. That's something great for someone that is grilling. That's great for someone that's smoking. I use it if I'm making something in the oven frankly, just to throw that inside yeah. there. And that thermometer is very, very versatile. And I don't see anyone that would be upset with you getting that as well. I would agree with that. And I've had two of them and I've had two of them because I keep dropping them once in a while. <laughs> so, and and once, you know, you're dropping them on it, like unbelievable or it's just, but they are, you're right there. We use them in the oven all the time and they're great on the grill. And exactly for what you say, I can bring it into my office. I can see the temperature and what it is. And there you go. So it's especially good for when you're doing like well, any meat, but like the brisket to see where is it still in that, you know, what part is it at and all that. So big help. Um, Ted, great stuff. Now I want to go smoke. <laughs> Sounds good, John. Yeah, I'm there you go. Me on. Well, thanks a lot, Ted, for coming on. Thank you. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Kime Report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Ted for joining me and thank you as always for listening. We'll be back on Sunday with Ron Rivera. Talk to you next time.